Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Are you ready for this? Are you sure now? A lot of people aren't ready for this. Pray with me. Just pray over yourself, Lord, ready my heart, ready my soul, ready my mind, ready my spirit. Lord, ready me to receive the word of God today. I'm not here to receive from a person. I'm here to receive from you, Holy Spirit. So Lord, ready me to receive the sword today, the sword of you, Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Ready me, ready me to receive it right now. In Jesus' name, if it says that I'm right, then I'm right. If it says that I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Holy Spirit, if you say that I'm right, then I'm edified. If you say that I'm wrong, you brought in godly sorrow and I repent. Ready me, Lord, to receive in Jesus' mighty name. Church shouts, amen, amen and amen. Praise you, Lord, today. You know, a lot of people say to me, you know, you could say things nicer. But I want to ask you today, is that the Bible? I know that that's the world. I know that everything today is measured in monotone tones. The, the, the more neutral you sound, the more uh, smart you're supposed to be, the more wisdom-based you are if you use a monotone. But is that the Bible? You could say things nicer, but is that Jesus' way? Did he say things nicer? So if Jesus didn't say things nicer, what are we doing? Life is really simple for the Christian, is it not? Whatever Jesus did, you do. And whatever style that he did it, you do it. So did Jesus worry about his tone? Then why do we? And I'm not talking now, whenever you say things like this, you have to layer it out because you license the jerks in the room. I'm not telling you to be an arrogant jerk. I'm just telling you to be forthright, be passionate, be full of zeal. A lot of people, a lot of people, they, they, they will, it's not just, it's not just in the, the inflection of their voice. They'll be like, you know, I don't want to say certain, say certain things because it may offend you say whatever God tells you to say, period. In exactly the moment that he tells you to say it, you know that open door, don't you? How many of you have ever had that open door and you just kind of walk away because you're afraid of the consequences of it? That was really what happened with COVID more than anything else and what is currently happening because it's far from over. And as they, as they take COVID away, they bring in climate change and then they'll take climate change away and bring COVID back in. And they'll take COVID away and bring climate change back in, all ushering towards Revelation 13 and 14. You and I are called to be the restraining. That means you are going to have to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. You're going to have to perform miracles because it's not just about our no's, it's about our yeses. No's are required. Fervent no's. I'm against that. See, in the church today, Oh, you know, how many of you know it's, it's not what we're against, it's what we're for. God, God's not against you. God's not mad at you. That's not the Bible. God is against certain people, and God is mad. He's angry at the wicked every day. 
Psalm 7, verse 11. It's easy for me to remember because that's where I get my Slurpees. Psalm 7, 11. <laughs> memorize scripture how you need to memorize scripture. So are we necessarily called to say things nicer? Well, let's look. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Most of it, most of this is only read, only part of these verses read about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And let us consider one another to provoke. That doesn't sound nice. Prod. To provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the, the day approaching. So you are to goad. You are to provoke. Most people think that if you're provoked, that means that you should shut down and be offended. Well, that really irritates me. That must be wrong. Now, are you sure? Are you sure that you being irritated means that the information that you're receiving is wrong? Are you sure? How would you know? See, what we're gonna talk about today is deep obedience. Not just rudimentary obedience, deep obedience. Somebody needs to mute their phone or I'll call you out in public. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Jeff this time. He contacted me last week because there's some bell went off down here. You're like, Tom, what kind of evil, maniacal person are you? Very evil and very maniacal. I'm just kidding. So how does God work? He goads. Where do you get that from? Let's look at Acts chapter nine, five and six. And he said, who are you, Lord? This is after Paul gets knocked off his horse. You know, people get worried and upset about people falling out in the spirit. We lose people from this church. I'm like, who do you think I am? Where, you've been coming here for years. You see a couple people fall on the floor and you leave. What tribe do you think I'm a part of? You don't think I believe in the power of God? Paul gets knocked off his horse. People get knocked to the floor and they think it's antithetical to the word. Well, I don't really agree with that. What, what, what does it matter whether you agree? Let God be true and every man a liar. What matters is what the word of God says. He, and you may think, you may think, man, he seems irritated. I'm not irritated at all. I want you to come alive. Stop being controlled by what you think is right and what you think is wrong and go to the word of God, period. Unequivocally, right to the word. If it says yes, it's yes. If it says no, it's no. Life is easy. It really is easy. And look at the faces. You don't believe me yet. And he said, Paul says to Jesus, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, Paul, it is hard for you to kick against me constantly prodding you. Every time I come in this church, I feel prodded, I feel poked. I feel provoked, I'm irritated. Good. You don't need to go to a church that sedates you anymore. You ought, to come in, you ought to come into a church where your heart goes pitter-patter. Thump, yeah. thump, thump, thump. I'm nervous. Good. I was raised Catholic. I went right from a Catholic church to an Assembly of God church. 
Every Sunday I went in there, I was scared. I, let me put it to you in the Southern vernacular. I was scared, <laughs> scared. So he, Paul, trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's pretty offensive. Riding around, everything's going all right. Knocked off your horse, blind. Pretty offensive. But how does Paul respond to the Lord? Do you respond that way or do you go seek counsel? Go to that soft peddling Christian friend who always tells you everything's okay when it's not. Who tells you that you're okay when you're not. Who tells you you're not sinning when you are. Who tells you that sinning is all part of the process as, as he or she ushers you straight to hell. He says instead, he doesn't go to anybody else. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Life is simple. See how quiet it is in here? Everybody wants it complicated. You want a mystery shrouded in mist. It's not. Go to the Lord directly. He is real. Go to him indirectly and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So how does God work? He provokes. He doesn't love like that. He doesn't love in the way that most people think he loves because most people's version of love is what they've seen in a movie. They think love is Oprah. They think love is Dr. Phil. Accommodating, tolerant. Is that, is, are any of those actual characteristics of the Almighty God or his Son or his Spirit? Well, how accommodating was the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 with Ananias and Sapphira? Well, that was very accommodating. They're dead and mocked them as he was killing them. Oh, the very one, the very people who carried you out, well, carried your husband out, will carry you out now. He provokes. Everyone needs to get to know the real God. He loves, he loves through power, not accommodation, not through tolerance. You're like, he does, he does accommodate. No, no, no. Listen, he doesn't accommodate your sin. He, he took action to defeat your sin with his own blood. That's not accommodation. He went to hell for you. Therefore, he says, therefore, he says, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. What, what does it mean that he descended? When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. He descended into hell for you. That's not accommodating. And grab the keys out of Revelation 1, 18. Grab the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's taking action. It's not tolerating. He defeated hell. He didn't tolerate it. So how does God work? He provokes. He doesn't worldly love or fake love. He exhorts. What does exhort mean? Everybody thinks that it means to praise. Exhort means to urge. He urges. He doesn't marinate. I'll just get him into the church for a little while. We'll get him through. We'll onboard them. 
get them into our classes. Here's our beginner. Here's our first time attenders class. Our two month attender class. Our one year attender class, of which now you've graduated and, gra and now you're a member. All of which is absolutely, absolute, it means absolutely nothing. He doesn't marinate, he urges, provokes, and goads. You should be going to a church that goads you. Welcome home. He's not seeker sensitive. Most Christians are way too sensitive. And by the way, let me just say this to you. I haven't, I haven't given you this spiel for a while. Why is it that Christians are conservative everywhere but church? No welfare. We, we can't stand that people are on welfare. I'm with you. Then why don't you tithe? Why are you living off my tithe? Liberal. Democrat. Was this all for free? This building, this building, this, this building costs $5 million. Are you living off everybody else's tithe? Liberal? You, going to the, you signed up for the DNC yet? <laughs> Tithing's not hard. You're commanded to tithe. Now here's another guy after my money. I make $4,000 a year more than I made as a deputy sheriff pastoring this church. I'm after your money. I have no car. <laughs> I gave my truck to my son. I have no car. I'm after your money. I, I, I marvel at how everybody is so conservative until, you know, you know facts, aren't, facts, facts don't respect your feelings. Everybody says it because Tucker says that. Or Ben Shapiro says it. Facts don't care about your feelings. Then why are you so feelings-based inside the church? Why is it that you overcome your feelings at work but not at church? There's people watching right now because you're afraid to come back to church because you're offended. You're online, why? yes, I'm talking to you. There's many people that are watching from overseas. We have between two and 300 people watching us live right now. There's people overseas, people up north. They have no church. And there's people that do have this church. You live right here. But because somebody irritated you inside the church and you got a boo-boo on your feelings, that you're not here today. You're going nowhere. God will see to it. That you, get, that you face the same test over and over and over again until you pass it. You're gonna have to overcome people putting boo-boos on your feelings. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is all therapeutic. People are gonna irritate you in this church. I warn people about coming to work for me. If you ask the people that work for me, you're like, yeah, he must be a monster. I'm not a monster at all. If you're not stupid, you'll never see me. I am a low maintenance guy. The only, the only way from, the only way that I will give you commands or come and bring correction to you is if you decide to pop above the radar. 
That's why I have very few staff members for, for a church this size. I have very, very few staff members because I don't want to manage a bunch of people and a bunch of feelings. Hey, Pastor, I just, you know, I, I wanted to just share with you that, you know, something that you said, <laughs> you know, something that you said from the pulpit today, my wife, my wife found it to be abrasive and, and difficult to handle. Go ahead, go talk to your wife then. Get in there. Most Christians are just way too sensitive to be moved God's way because God's way is to prod you. He'll put you through tests. He will not tempt you, but he'll test you. He wants to see what you'll do with that irritating church member that attends Foundation Church. There's irritating people in this room. I'm gonna have you stand in just a moment. No, I'm kidding. All the irritating people, come forward. A lot of you, you're, called, you're even called to full-time ministry. You'll never make it. You can't handle people. Thank you, brother. You can't handle it. You, you, as soon as somebody works a nerve in you, you shut down. Turn me down a little bit, guys. Perfect. Every second. Perfect. Make it perfect. A lot of people, you are held back, and I'm getting into this in a minute, but it's deep obedience. You will not cross. Listen, you've gotten rid of, and I, I don't even like to preach this because in today's church, most Christians are not even rudimentary, rudimentary not, that's not the right word, rudimentary, I don't know, whatever, sound. They're not sound in the rudimentary things. Gosh, we gotta work on the sound, guys. Aaron, if you can hear me, come out and work on the sound. We'll do the best, there you are. Do the best that you can because it's going in and out. It's driving me nuts. But I don't even like to assume that people are sound scripturally in rudimentary things. Like if you're a man and you see a girl walking by in a bikini, what do you do? Look at me. Avert your eyes. It doesn't matter if you, if you look, but you don't touch. Have you ever read the Bible where the lust of the eyes is the same as the lust of the flesh? Matthew chapter five, verse 28, Jesus talking. Well, I oh, I'm just, I'm just appreciating God's creation. Hey, you got that from the ark, church. So I don't even like to, I don't like to assume that people are sound in the elementary things. But I'm going to assume that you are in vast swaths of this message today. But if you're not, then you need to get things right. It doesn't matter how many sins you, sinners' prayers that you've prayed if you've not repented of your sin. It doesn't matter. I know nobody preaches. Nobody, everyone's afraid to preach so you can lose your salvation. Oh, really? Well, what's the great falling away? What's the great apostasy? Why is everybody afraid to preach the word of God? They're afraid they'll lose people. So they might as well go home and build an altar to people and burn incense to it then because people are your God. You're supposed to preach the word. You can lose your salvation. You can walk away. It's called apostasy. It's called the great falling away. Well, they were never saved to begin with. How are they never saved to begin with and fall away? It's, it's, don't you notice the nonsensical, illogical spirit that most people believe in? You know what? We're gonna mandate vaccinations. 
doing this. Let's just use the military. In the military right now, they're kicking out, discharging thousands and thousands of our young men and women, the ones that are living through the vaccines. As you have every malady inside the military up 300 to 2,800%. Myocarditis, cancer, HIV, through the roof. As China lords itself over Taiwan. As Russia has gone into Ukraine. And I don't buy into all that garbage either. I'm just telling you. We need a great military, but no. But why are they kicking them all out if they're not making them sick? They're kicking them out because they're not vaccinated. The vaccination to stop transmit they don't want to spread COVID amongst the ranks using a vaccination that doesn't stop transmission or infection. It's nonsensical and illogical. Well, you can't fall, you can't lose your salvation. The people who they talk about in the great falling away. Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The great falling away. Well, they were never saved to begin with. That's as, that's as sensical as mandating a vaccination to stop transmission or infection with a vaccination that doesn't stop transmission or infection. It's the exact same demon. The same demons that were active in the 1930s that ushered in Stalinism, that ushered in Nazi, the Nazi party, they're alive today. They're eternal. It's all the same stuff. Experimentation on human beings. Mangala-style experimentation on human beings. Mass censorship. Killing human beings. They don't talk about COVID. There's 41.2 million abortions per year. It's the same spirit over and over again. Recognize, most of the church, you know, there's prominent ministers that attend Davos. I'm talking about ones that you've read their books. Evangelicals that attend Davos, that attend the World Economic Forum. The place where you, they don't want you to be able to buy, sell, trade, or travel without a common pass. And the evangelicals that are attending there don't see Revelation 13, 16, and 17 that he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. They don't see it. What's the next verse? Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. Understand it. And you have pastors there that write books that, that Christians buy the millions by? They're so, you, you, do you wonder why the love of most will grow cold? Most Christians on planet earth today will fall away. That's why we have to have a brand new revival and win new ones that won't fall away. It's part of the great restraining is to usher in a new church. Look at the, listen, the old church stunk. Smells. Tom, how dare you say that? It's true. 99.9% of church is closed. With a 99.9% survival virus. Most of them were masking and were calling it love. Pimping and whoring vaccines and calling it love. Where's a mask in the Bible? Oh, Tom, you can't be that specific. Yes, I can. It doesn't say wear a mask. It says bind. 
You're worried about that thing. And again, it's nonsensical anyway. How's a mask going to stop a viral infection? Suddenly what they use to stop spit from doctors performing open heart surgery, that's why the doc wears it. He's not doing it to prevent infection in the person. He's trying to prevent sweat and spit from going from his mouth into an open wound. And suddenly that's gonna stop a viral infection? Nonsensical, analogical, same spirit. And those churches bought right into it. Where was the Bible? It's because they long since walked away. COVID didn't change anything. It exposed everything. But most Christians are way too sensitive to be corrected or moved God's way. God wants you to move. Your life shouldn't be the same for 10 years. Your life shouldn't be the same for a month. Should be endlessly being goaded forward. But most Christians can't take it because, it, listen, to get you out and you're like, Tom, I have a good life. I live a good life. I'm a good Republican. Or even you're, you're a good Christian in the eyes of the world. And I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'm talking about rudimentary, that you have the rudimentary down. I'm talking about deep obedience. A lot of you, to get out of where you are at right now, you first have to recognize that you need to get out. Things have been the same for years. They shouldn't be. I've told you over and over again, I sat in this church for 15, 16 years and it was the same. 150 to 200. 150 to 200. 150 to 200. You're like, Tom, well, we see the numbers do vastly. They do because I run a lot of people off. It's already been, I already saw one lady scurry out of here. I just learned to keep my mouth shut now because it's burned me a couple times like I told you last week. People have gone to the bathroom, I ripped them and then they come back in, I had to apologize publicly. So I learned to keep my mouth shut. You might be going to the bathroom, but she has not come back unless she's in there for the last 30 minutes. Which, of course, I've accomplished that task many times myself. I'm just saying, it's unusual for a lady. But most Christians can't be moved by God because God's offensive to them. Ooh, ooh, that hurts, I can't be God. Are you sure? Some of you, the ones who are not paying attention the most right now should be paying attention the most. You should kick in right now because you, listen, you might be feeling like everything is perfect, but you need to ask the Holy Ghost if that's the case. I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'll talk plenty about it. If you're, if you're living in sin right now, you're going to hell. Is that clear enough for you? I'm talking about deep obedience. Some will say, you know what? There are no levels. Are you sure there's no levels to get to? Are you sure? You know, people who say there are no levels to get to are the ones who never get to another level. There are levels. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One through three. Make sure that you're not complacent. Complacency means that you feel okay when things are not okay. And again, I'm not talking about heaven and hell right now. I'm talking about things that are exactly the same as they were a decade ago. Why are none of your kids saved coming out of your home? You ever ask yourself those questions? 
I, I am always asking myself questions like that. I'm okay with being goaded. See, I'm a little bit old school. And really, there's no old school or new school. There's just right school. But I'm old school. See, I, I was coached in football the old-fashioned way. I'm, I'm 54. So I was playing my football in the 80s and 90s. At U, the University of Central Florida, where I, play, where I play college football, my coach, his name is Paul Lounsbury. I love him. One of my favorite person. When I met him, I hated him. I hated him. I hated. But Tom, you were a Christian. I know. Still hated him. He was mean. I never sat. I, I'd been under some tough football coaches. There was nobody like it. His nickname was Gunny. You were an offensive lineman at UCF at the time. You were out at practice 30 minutes before everybody else on the sled. In August, in Orlando, which is any place close, there's no place closer than the heat of hell than Orlando in August. I'm telling you, nothing. And it's all the worst of Florida without a golf breeze. Nothing. He used to, I always admired him because he, he was so strong in and of himself. He was not a Christian. But he would just quit things. He, would, he, he quit cussing on his own. I'm like, I never could accomplish that. He quit chewing tobacco on his own. But I remember when he was still chewing tobacco. He would come up to you in your face. Grab your face mask with two prongs. And just chew you out. And every other word was an F-bomb. You know what you did? And a lot of, oh my gosh. I would never let my child sit under that. I'd stick my child underneath that on purpose. Look at all this. Nobody was saying that. You're all, you're, you're, you've been brainwashed. People come up to me, Tom, and I'm not saying this to brag, but they're like, how do you make the stands that you make? Because I sat under things like that. I drove around in a police car for 25 years. You think, do you, does anybody remember AIDS? HIV, AIDS, when it was deadly? I was in patrol at that time. I got HIV infected blood on my arm. That was a real virus. Survival rate, goose egg. So when COVID comes, all right, what's the survival rate? Um, even when they were saying, lying and saying that it had a 2% death rate, I'm like, 2%, who cares? Plus it doesn't matter to me. It's not going to come near my, nigh my dwelling. But everybody's so afraid. Everybody, listen, everybody's so sensitive. Be okay with being goaded. That's God's way. There are levels. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, because you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? These are all saved people out of Corinth. He's calling them babes in Christ, so that means there must be a five-year-old in Christ. An adolescent in Christ. 
and adults in Christ, because they're babes in Christ. There must be Christians who are carnal and Christians who are not. How do you know if you're a carnal Christian? Look up at me now. How do you know? Carnal Christians does not mean that you're sinning and calling yourself a Christian. That's hellbound. That's called being a hypocrite, not being carnal. You always hear me quoting out of Romans chapter eight. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful nature is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. That's Romans 8, 5 through 9. So you have to choose. How do you know if you're a carnal Christian? It means you live according to your feelings. Look at me now. Don't be afraid. It doesn't matter how strong your feelings are. Don't start naming your heritage. I'm Italian, I'm Czechoslovakian, we all have these deep feelings. You're to take every thought captive. I'm bipolar. I have this disorder or that disorder that didn't exist 20 years ago, but now they exist. You're carnal if you go by your feelings at all. Well, I'm in a bad mood today. Carnal! Democrat! Just kidding. That's the way it is. You're to put on joy. You're to put on praise. You don't have a bad day. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't pour footings there. So you choose. Paul's having to say to the church of Corinth, I couldn't even speak to you. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babes in Christ. If you're easily offended and you're not, and you're not able to be goaded by God, God tells you, here's the open door. And you're like, it's too offensive for me to walk through that because of how you told me about the open door. If a bomb went off in here, you wouldn't worry about where, how you're told where the exits are. I could come on the microphone and do an F-bomb-laden tirade. And you'd also run, you wouldn't bother you then, but let it lo and behold, if God comes and goads you a little bit, uses a man or a woman of God to offend you a little bit, or a lot of it, if it's the open door, it's the open door. Paul got knocked off a horse by force. He wasn't offended. He said, Lord, what would you have me do? That's what you should do. See, I sit, I sit directly under Pastor Rodney. You think he's soft and gentle? You ever watch him? He can be. But on the whole, <laughs> No. I think I told you this before, but I was griping to him one time. He calls me about every Sunday and asks how things go. And he called me and I said, I started to whine. Well, there weren't that many people there today. And I'm like, he goes, hey, you know what you should do? And it sounded really encouraging. I'm like, oh man. 
Here it comes. Man of God, Rodney Howard Brown. I'm probably going to fall out in the spirit right now. He says, this is what you need to do. He goes, go back to five years ago and watch your church services then, and you'll feel a whole lot better about what you have now. Thank you, pastor. So you know what I did? I responded to that by shutting my mouth. I didn't go, oh, I'm offended, so I'm gonna keep running my mouth. Let me lay this quick groundwork for you. Two things. I'm going to assume, again, like I told you earlier, that everybody has the rudimentary things down. If you are living in sin, you're not going to heaven. I don't care what the Baptists tell you. I don't care about what the Calvinists tell you who worship John Calvin more than Jesus because Jesus is the word. It doesn't matter. You're not gonna be judged by John Calvin. He's dead. So I'm assuming that you have that down. Let me go over this with you real quick. And I mean down, at least you have it down as far as knowledge, and I hope you have it down as far as action. Just to make it clear, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 10. You have to lay this groundwork in today's church. When I first got saved in 1987, you didn't have to lay this groundwork because everybody was preaching hellfire and brimstone. Now they don't because they want to grow a church. I want to be successful. Be like me. I don't care. I have no, people are like, how do you do what you do? I have no uh, ulterior motive. I'm not trying to be popular. I'm not trying to grow my ministry. I'm called to preach the gospel. Whatever happens, God will take care of it. This church, listen, I'm looking down the middle. There's a whole lot of empty seats here. If I watered down the message, they'd be full. We're not gonna do that. Why, why would I win them to hell thinking they're going to heaven? That's most churches. So the rudimentary, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven written to the evangelical church? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? Do not be deceived. Now why does he put that in right after that first sentence? Because people get deceived thinking the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of heaven. They will not. And I'm not talking about that you sin and get it right, sin and get it right, what I call vacillation. I'm talking about concession to sin. If you've conceded, you know, you, you lust one day, you get it right, but now she's moved in. Hell bound. I don't care how many sinners' prayers that you've said. Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. You'll thank me for telling you that at the great white throne judgment. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards Oh, yeah, but I'm one of those Christian drinkers. You better only have one, which I never see a Christian do that. I've seen all these Christian drinkers. Watch them. I watch them like a hawk so I can judge them. <laughs> You're not supposed to judge. You don't know the Bible. Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance. 
but do judge with righteous judgment. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Whoops! I was told by, you know, the matriarch of our Christian family that you're never to judge as everybody that she raises up in her faith goes straight to hell. But she certainly is sweet. She's a solid Baptist. Fantastic. It's going to matter a whole lot to God who doesn't care whether you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Assembly of God. Doesn't care. Cares about the Bible. Nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Period. It's the way that it is. That's the rudimentary. Everybody got it? I make it. I, I hesitate to do it. Because a lot of Christians, and I would say most, in the, not in this church, but in the, in the body of Christ worldwide, sin without hesitation. And have no idea what they're even looking at. You see that you can't buy, sell, trade, or travel without a vaccine passport and that doesn't work a nerve? What, what level of revelation do you have? That's why I don't like to assume that people have the rudimentary things or the elementary things now. Number two, assumption. That you know that faith and works are one and the same. They are indistinguishable. They're like blood and plasma. Your body and bones. Try to walk without any bones. It's not even a matter of I'll show you my faith by my works. Your works are your faith. Your faith is your works. Works without faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. They are indistinguishable. Let me show you in machine gun style because we've, we've spoke about this last week. James chapter two, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? James chapter two, verse 26. Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Dead. You know what dead means in the Hebrew? In the Greek? In the English? In the NIV? Dead. People who think, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm just not living it right now. Dead. You're not a Christian. You're not in faith. Because faith and works are indistinguishable. Well, I don't really agree because my grandson right now. So your life experience trumps the word of God because you want him so badly to be right with God. He's not. He's not. He's smoking dope and sleeping with his girlfriend. Yeah, but you know what? He has a faith. He has a faith. <laughs> Nothing. This is what the world needs to hear. I know this is bothering some of you. I'm looking at your faces. The only people that I don't look at is the first three rows because I have to look like this to see you. The rest of you, I'm looking at. I want to see how this resonates with you. The reception this morning, not super good. I think the attendance might go down next week. But you notice how I don't hesitate. The attendance will go down, the money will go up. That's how God is. So just set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And I love, I love a big crowd. I love it. I've just learned not to be addicted to them. James chapter 2, verse 24. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. That's the NIV version. 
And here's the one that I use all the time, Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. Listen to this. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? To whom did he swear that they would not go to heaven? To whom did he swear? God Almighty swearing that they would not go to heaven, they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. Not to those who had faith. To those who wouldn't, you know what, faith, let's, you know, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Well, if they have faith. No, no, there is no difference. Look at the next verse. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. He said they couldn't enter in because they didn't obey, and that's because they don't believe. So if you don't obey, you don't believe. Aaron gave me this last week after the service. Aaron, our worship leader. He's in here. Yeah, there he is. I never know where he is. He said, you know what? If This is faith. This is a good example. This is what faith is. If I told you that if you walk out that door, you will be struck by lightning. And it's proved. Let's say somebody dumb enough walks out and you see him get zapped by lightning. By the way, you get hit by lightning. You basically, I mean, really hit by lightning, you basically like evaporate. So you have like, boom. And then all of us would then believe. What would, what would be the evidence of our belief? We ain't going out there. That shows, that shows you that nobody was operating by faith during COVID. They weren't operating. Nobody was afraid of dying of COVID. They were afraid of what people would think of how they reacted to COVID. People won't think I'm compassionate. Who, who are you worried about? Who are you worried about? Who are you worried about what they think? Who? The baby butchers? The trans activists? The man who's fully penised and wants to call himself a woman? That guy? You're worried about what the, the, the purveyors of compassion that slaughter the unborn, the 40, 50 million per year worldwide? I'm worried about what they're gonna think. And all of those who advocated for masking, for locking down, for vaccine are all baby butchers and homosexual activists, gun grabbers, and all the Christians. Oh, how can I obey you? Arr, 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 give me my sardine. <laughs> Call PPP money to the pastors. Nobody was afraid of dying of COVID. I told you, back when AIDS was around, that was for real. People were all dead. Everybody else, but COVID. Oh, COVID. You have a sniffle. People, Tom, come on, people did die of COVID. I know, people die of the flu every year. People die of coronaviruses every year. It's called a common cold. They die all the time. It's all, it was all a giant lie. Yes, COVID exists. All you have to do, all it takes is about 30 minutes of research and it debunks the whole thing. Seriously, like all you gotta do is go, go to the Army Corps of Engineers. Like, Tommy, here you go, sidetracked on COVID. I know, but I got about another 30 minutes. You're like, 30 minutes? I wanna get that out of here. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Seriously, just sit. For those of you that hate the church right now, I don't know, I'm looking at the faces. There are several of you right now. What you gotta do is sit here for a couple months. You'll never be able to go back anywhere else. You gotta, but you, listen. 
This church is an acquired taste. You gotta force it down a couple times. You gotta force it. It's, it's, it's what I had to do with carbonated water. I hated it, hated it. Until it was the only thing to drink in the house. I was dying of thirst. It was the only thing that was cold, so I drank it. I forced myself to drink it. That's what I am, carbonated water. You'll hate it at first. But it will become palatable to you. So if you look at the Army Corps of Engineers, all you do is look at the statistics. They built these hospitals, $660 million of your taxpayer dollars that they also used, that the FDA used, to try to keep all the vaccine data suppressed. You know, because Pfizer didn't want their vaccine developmental data released for 75 years, so all the current executives would be dead by then. That's what they want. So that same government used your taxpayer dollars to keep that information confidential and suppressed. But they also built, this was under Trump even, $660 million worth of Army Corps of Engineer hospitals throughout the United States, with Minneapolis, two in New York, Chicago. I have the statistics of how many patients went to them. Remember the USS Comfort? The, the naval vessel that they outfitted to be a COVID triage center? Okay, now remember, how many people live in New York City? Nine million. Nine million. Joe Biden will let in five million people by the end of this year into this country, just so you know, illegally, that we know of. It's one to, six, one to five times that many in reality. But nine million people live there. So the USF Comfort pulls into New York Harbor, or whatever it's called. I make things up as I go. New York Harbor, the Sea of New York, whatever. So he pulls in there. <laughs> sea of Galilee, whatever. But anyway, so he pulls in there with the USS Comfort. And out of nine million people, the USS Comfort there. Remember, they had refrigerator trucks with all the bodies. Never showed a picture of inside those trucks. None. They got these refrigerator trucks. So if the refrigerator, remember they show you these mass burials and nobody would ever pinpoint where they are. It's called propaganda. But anyway, so they, 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 the USS Comfort pulls in. Out of 9 million people, they saw 127 people. Total, they were outfitted for 1,000. Total, for a month, 127 people. Out of 9 million, the other Army Corps of Engineers that was actually built in Manhattan saw zero. But they were overrun by who? Minneapolis, zero. Chicago, zero. I have it all on a piece of paper. Printed out from the United States government. That's how many people they saw. The most of all of them were 100 to 150 people. Most of them were zero. Chicago, zero. Build the hospital, we're being overrun. How many people did you get in the Army Corps of Engineer Hospital? None. How are you overrun? I sent my secret investigator here in the, in the church, who shall remain anonymous. He asked me for assignments. I said, you know what, I need you to go film emergency rooms. Because we were being overrun again. Delta. Delta had arrived. So we're being overrun. He went from Port Charlotte to Tampa. One, one person in the emergency room. None. I myself went to Inglewood ER and Venice ER. None. I'm like, what's that idiot doing? I don't care what you think. I'm here to film. <laughs> press. I'm the press. TLP podcast.
It's all lies. Back to spiritual. Faith and works are one and the same. James 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Listen, your works are not the evidence of your faith. Your works are your faith. Well, you're talking about a workspace. No, I'm not talking about anything. Hebrews chapter 3, 18 and 19 says, to whom did he swear? That they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in. They couldn't go to heaven because of unbelief. What you do is what you believe. What you do is belief. It is faith. Indistinguishable. You may have been taught your whole life the opposite. Well, you know, he has faith and I have works. Does anybody ever read the Bible as they actually preach the opposite? I put together a couple examples here. But you may have been taught your whole life, you know what, that faith and obedience are separate. They are not. Obedience is faith. Faith is obedience. You know, we all know Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm not telling you that your works make God move. Faith makes God move, but your works are faith. It pleases God. It melts unbelief. I hope that made sense to people. Well, people will say, they believe in Jesus, but their lifestyle is not there. Those people don't believe. They don't, they're walking out into the lightning. They don't believe. It really isn't. No, they backslide. They can backslide to non-belief. I mean, listen, if you really believed in God and you believed in a great white throne judgment, you're gonna live in sin? You don't really believe or you believe according to your own stipulations, which don't exist. Here's the one that really presses my nerves. I'll give you an example. We want to win them to the faith by not pushing controversial lifestyle issues. What are you winning them to? I don't care what the sin is. Well, I want to win the fornicator or the homosexual. I like to be an equal opportunity offender. People in the church so offended by homosexuality. And listen, man-on-man crime, beard-on-beard crime offends me too. (laughs) However, understand that in in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 and 18, It's indistinguishable. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Flee from sexual immorality, for all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. 6, 13, and 18 in order, right? Doesn't distinguish which one. The man addicted to pornography is going to the same hell as the homosexual. The person who murders the abortion doctor is going to the same hell as the abortion doctor because they committed the same act. Understand, but well, you know, we want to win the fornicator and we want to win the homosexual. I'll just pick on the homosexual. I want to win my homosexual cousin to the Lord, let's say. I want them to receive Jesus. 
I want to win them, but I don't want, I want to win them by not pushing that controversial issue of homosexuality is sin. So I want to win that way. I want, I want to win them that way. But you don't tell them that they must repent because you don't want to offend them so that they won't receive Jesus. They can't receive Jesus unless you offend them. Otherwise, they'll be carrying the burden of their own homosexual sin to the judgment seat of Christ. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. A lot of Christians believe, well, there's a separate judgment, you know, the judgment seat of Christ. Well, he will deem our works to be either pleasant, non-pleasant, fruitful, or whatever. (laughs) For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. John 5, 22 and 23. There's one judgment seat of Christ. When you walk up there, God will go, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He can't see your sin. He's blinded to it by his own blood. But other people, they have to have their sin removed from them. How would they know? How then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've never heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Well, I want to win them to the Lord without having them know about their sin Someone just said in the front, what? That's most churches. I love that, by the way. That was good. That's, mo- that's not, listen, you need to understand what a unique place you're sitting in this morning. Most churches avoid telling people to turn from their sin to win them. To What? Win them as church attender? Well, just rename your church the Elks Club then. Make it a Kiwanis. That's the approach. So you've won them to death because faith without works is dead. You've won them to some sort of, oh, they believe in Jesus, but they're still living. The man is still living with his boyfriend as they both transition. One guy's transitioning to female, The other one's transitioning to male. I don't know. (laughs) And now they're leaders inside the church. They're teaching in the children's church. Oh, that could never happen. It's happening everywhere. You don't have to worry about that here. (laughs) But don't worry because... He gets counted as a stat, as he gets one without being told to repent. He gets counted on the fresh start and new beginning list. This Sunday, on this Easter Sunday, we had our Easter egg hunt first. We had Santa Claus fly over in a helicopter and drop Easter eggs on all the four-year-olds. As all the white trash moms make sure they go from one service to the next to get as many freak free chunks of candy as they possibly can get. You're welcome. That's why I don't do it. I'm not doing it. 
All those white trash moms in their minivans and their fruit roll-ups, juice boxes flying all over, scheduling. Well, this church does the giveaway, the Easter egg hunt on this day. And this one, they just go eat one, one of the next to their kids, get copious amounts of candy. Everybody's obese. No. You don't win people with candy in Easter egg hunts. You preach the word. You're welcome. Seriously, I mean, you are welcome. Faith without works is dead. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. Psalm 138, too. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Period. It's the word that matters. And this is serious business. It's 1155. Everybody with me? You are one hour and 50 minutes in so far. Well, a little while ago. You'll be out of here soon. For those of you who are really offended right now. I'm looking. <laughs> it's a serious business. It's revelation versus deception. You know you can't have both. You will pick one or the other. No man can serve two masters. He will love the one and hate the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't, you can't, you can't have both. You can't have both. Do not merely, this is James chapter one, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know how dangerous it is? You're like, Tom, you're gonna cost yourself attendance. I don't care. I don't care. I want to be counted as faithful. Not some kind of attendance whore. It's dangerous to sit in church and hear the word and not put it into practice. It leads to deception. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, otherwise you are ushering yourself into a place of deception. Hearing it over and over again and not putting it into place. You're welcoming in the deceiver, inoculating yourself to the word of God. If you hear a do out of the word of God today, what should you do? Do it. If you hear a stop out of the word of God today, what should you do? Stop. That's belief. That's faith. Don't choose antithetical to the Bible because the Bible's not your theology. No, I just believe faith and works are two separate things. That's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. Well, my granddad, I mean, I mean, he's, you know, he's Mr. Johnny Walker Red every night, but he loves Jesus. He's always reading his Bible. His faith is dead. His body has no blood. His blood has no plasma. His body has no bones. He's dead. That's the Bible. This is way too harsh for me. Jesus made a whip of cords, drove them all out of the temple, called them whitewashed tombs, sons of hell. Get behind me, Satan. To his most trusted ally, get behind me, Satan. Imagine if I said that to you today. We're out there right after church. Hug fest. 
It's always hug fest out there. I'm a hugger. You're like, you don't strike me as a I'm a hugger. Especially, listen, I'll hug. Even if I didn't like hugging, I'd hug now just to mock COVID. Bring it in. Bring it in. Ah! I'm a hugger. You see me with that baby? I was like Lenny up here out of Mice and Men. Read a book. For some of you, you don't get that. Turn this thing off and read a book. You're welcome. Don't choose to be antithetical to the Bible because the Bible works a nerve. It's not me that's working a nerve. We know, well, we just don't like your, the way that you say it. The way that I say it, what does that matter if it's true? It's true, it's true. You're gonna be held accountable for the truth no matter how it was delivered to you. Period. The Bible offends your theology and your theology is completely wrong. John chapter 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. The word of Jesus, not the way that it's talked about. Well, I'm excused because the tone was offensive. That's why everybody strapped a mask on, didn't want to be offensive. They weren't scared of dying of COVID. All right, so you understand those things. Got about 10 minutes, so I only got about, I, I meant to do all that that I just did. I meant to do that in 15 minutes. I did it in 48. So you have the rudimentary down. You understand that faith and works are one and the same. So let's look at deep obedience in these closing moments. Deep obedience. Now listen, what do I mean by deep obedience? I mean beyond do not sin. Now listen, don't even, don't even try to go deep obedience if you're still sinning. Get the sin right. You guys know, if you're a man right now and you're watching porn, forget about everything else I'm telling you. Get the porn thing right. Tom, why do you always talk about porn? Well, because I tell you this. I've watched plenty of porn. Does that set you free? There you go. Does it make you feel better? I've watched plenty of porn. Guilty. I've turned from my sin. Now here's the thing. Well, the reason why I talk about it now you ever wonder why there's an endless Viagra commercial and Cialis commercial? People can't perform sexually anymore? Because when I was a kid, I know most of you have heard this, but I like to get this out to people. When I was a kid, or when I was a young adult, well, not even then, even well into my 30s, if you wanted pornography, you had to go buy a magazine or rent a movie at one of those horrible movie shops. How do you know about those movie shops? I've been there. What's the matter with you? Yeah, the, oh, such a shame. You've done the same thing. <laughs> There's not a man in this room who doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everybody goes in there with leaving their sunglasses on with their hat. So you have no idea what I'm talking about if you're young because you've had porn on your phone from day one. That's the problem now. So you have to address it inside the church. Why is everybody, what, everybody's afraid to talk about sexual sin? See how quiet it is in here? 
All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm just telling you, you have to get it right. I'm not telling you that I've never sinned. I'm not lording sin over your head. I'm not even judging you because you've sinned. I'm judging your sin. I can't be disgusted by your sin. When I myself have sinned and have been depending completely and totally on the grace of God through the blood of the Lamb, not my own righteousness. But you, if you're a man and you're, like, and you're struggling with that right now, forget about everything else and get that right. You're going to hell for it. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, I've got the entire book of John memorized. You're on Pornhub every day. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, I'm a believer. You're not. You're not a believer. Who could not enter his rest? Those who did not obey. So we see they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. So if you're not obeying, you don't have belief. Life is easy. Life is easy. It's whether or not you receive it. It's a horse pill now. It's a horse pill. Everybody, anybody ever had to really swallow like giant supplements? Looking for the muscular people. Looking for the muscular people in this room. Drink those, drink those protein shakes. It's still, they, you, there's no way to actually mix them. They just, you, just, you just drink the clumps. That's the church, clumps. We should rename the church, clump. Clump church. The clump. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Get it in there. Deep obedience starts and ends with the Holy Ghost. Starts and ends with the Holy Ghost. Where do you get that from? John 14, 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells, in, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now here's where I'm closing. And I hesitate to even preach this. Because it licenses the weirdos. I don't like licensing the weirdos. So many weird Christians. Now understand something. There's just as many weirdos out in the world. I knew lots of weird cops. There's weird people. I don't want to license you, so you better listen to what I'm telling you, weirdo, and, and, and repent of your weirdness. You're not a peculiar person. You're a weirdo freak that people run from as if they're a roach when the lights come on. Have you ever noticed that you clear out every room that you go into? You're like, Tom, you're mean. I'm not mean. I love you enough to try to fix you. Tom, why do you always preach? Because there's weirdos in Christianity. They need my evangelical outreach to them. I'm an evangelist to the weird. John 3, 8. This is what I hesitate to preach. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from or where, or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So all the weirdo. 
God has blown me here. God has blown, it's all antithetical to the word, but I'm still blown all over the place. God blew me out of my marriage. God blew me out of my job. God blew me out of my church. God blew me into infirmity. God blew me into lack. He didn't. He can't do anything that's antithetical to the word. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit will guide you via, solely, the word of God. He can't blow you into infirmity. Well, God's teaching me something right now through my arthritis. And no. Don't worry, I'll be the one to tell you. Well, God's really blown us here right now, but yes, we have no money. Ain't a soul in your house working. But we're being blown. You ain't no leaf. Not a godly one. Nobody's in your house is working, but God's blowing. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those in his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Notice how faith and works are linked again. You deny the faith if you don't work. That's just a season that God's putting us through right now. No, no, no. You're a greener pastures doofus that goes, floats from one place to the other, never sinking. He, listen, he has not called you to greener pastures. He's called you to lie in green pastures. You just blow all over the place. I know lots of Christians like this. They blow from one town to the next. They're always poor. They never sink their roots in because they're greener pastures people. Oh, it's gonna be better here. It's gonna be better there. Any inkling that they're supposed to leave, they leave. Oh, we're offended, we have to leave. Oh, the pastor said something that's antithetical to our doctrine. We're gonna leave. The pastor's not perfect, we're gone. Well, look at me, daggummit. I'm not perfect. I mean, thank you. I've lost the same 40 pounds 40 times. <laughs> what you will hear from the Holy Spirit is pure form Bible. Pure Bible. That's how he blows. You're welcome. He will not tell you to move to poverty. He won't do that. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, and he does not contradict his word, ever. Make sure that you're thinking, when, you, when we use verses like John 3, 8, listen, what's that's, what that's telling you is, is you're not to predict your life. The wind blows where it wishes. But when the Holy Spirit directs, you'll know it. There will be fruit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. But what's the verse before that? Here comes the mean part. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You are not the leaf unless you cross that bridge. Putting to death the deeds of the body. 
You're not a leaf until you are. You're a rock. The wind can blow however it wants. You're not moving. You can't be a disobedient leaf. Let me close with this. I'm going to skip ahead. I want to give you this to go. Worship team, make your way. So everyone will trust that I'm actually closing. 12.11, we'll be out here by 12.20. Everybody good? Nine minutes. Nine minutes. Two hours and 15 minute service. How many of you grew up in a lot longer services? Shout amen. amen. About 100 people. Faith is obedience. Obedience is faith. We're going to launch right here next week. Disease comes your way. Not in your body because you bound it, right? Amen. But disease comes your way. Somebody comes to you with a disease. They've got a year to live. What do you do? You can answer out loud. I'm not going to shut you down. Run it up. Lay hands. Correct. Actually, what you do is obey. You obey. What's obey? You shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You obey. Faith. I approach you. We're going we're going to. We're going to aim our faith at it. Faith and works are the same. Works without faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. Obey. That's what you do. Somebody comes to you who's lost. What do you do? Act in faith, which is acting in obedience. Preach the word. You're commanded, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. Somebody comes to you with lack, or you lack, what do you do? Well, we're believing for something. No, obey, which is the same as believing. What do you do? If you lack, what do you do? Come on, give me. Step one, what do you do? You're lacking. Step one, what do you do? Plant seed. Democrat. Oh, man, I can't believe how they treated those people on Martha's Vineyard. You're right. But in church, you're the same as they are. <laughs> I had some people leave the church when I said that back in the old building. You plant seed. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For with the same, everybody skips the last part. For the same measure that you use, everybody loves good measure, pressed down, shaken together. End of verse. And, not the end of the verse. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Vaccine passports. See, I'm done. What do you do with vaccine passports? And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. That's what you say. Well, that's going to offend the vaccinated. They can be offended. But what I really want is to leach that thing out of their body. In Jesus' name. Amen. You preach the word. You preach the word. Obedience and faith are exactly the same thing. More of this next week. Can you take it? Are you sure? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Very quickly, I promised you, 1220. We're not leaving. Sit down. I'm just kidding. If you want to leave, you can leave. I'm just kidding. I really am. I'm just kidding. You can leave if you want. Sit down. No. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I promised you 1220s, 12:14. I got six minutes. Where are you at with God today is the question. If you're a Christian and you've fallen away, I'm again not, not talking about you struggle with sin. I'm talking about that you've conceded to sin. It's a lifestyle. You're what's called backslidden. 
and you need to get right with God because the condition that you are, you're in is hellbound. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe even the people around you think you are, but you know you're not. Break through that pride this morning and get saved. Maybe you've never been saved. Now is your time. Jesus said in John chapter three, verse three, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. For the backslidden Christian, I tell you this, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. So you need to get right with God no matter which condition that you're in this morning, no matter what. Breakthrough. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna bring you forward. This is between me, you, and God. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is between me, you, and God. I'm the only one I don't want Pastor Tom to know. Pastor Tom's a sinner saved by grace. Can't judge you, I'm not gonna be disgusted by your sin. When I had to have Jesus remove mine, so if that's you this morning and you want to get your life right with God, now is your time. I'm gonna ask you to do one thing, one thing. If that's you, stretch out your hand right where you're at. I'm looking to my left to my right. I got you to my left. Scan into the middle, got you in the middle. Scan into the right, got you to the right. Several people. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 or 15 people just raised their hands. Now I'm gonna ask you to do one last thing. Again, I'm not gonna bring you forward nothing. And the entire church is gonna pray this out loud with you. Receive his forgiveness this morning. Pray this prayer. We're all gonna pray it out loud with you. Pray it directly to God and your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Everybody pray this prayer out loud with me right now. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. Church says or shouts, amen. Stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Stand with me, every hand in the air. Let's believe for the greatest week of our lives. Tom, you say that every week. Just so you know, I believe for it every week. Literally believe for it every week. Receive this prayer that I pray over you right now. Lord, I pray your abundance on each and every person in this room. Your healing, divine appointments, open doors, closed doors, prosperity beyond measure, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, prosperity upon your people, healing upon your people, victory upon your people. In Jesus' mighty name, church shouts, amen and amen. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.